Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. It's Tuesday morning, and uh, if you like today's uh, temperature, don't get used to it, because tomorrow morning, low's going to be around 31 degrees. Freeze warning is out. If you've got plants that you have outside already, hopefully you didn't plant them already, because they're telling you to bring them in overnight. It's going to be a solid freeze this evening, and uh, if you got, you know, young plants out there, real tender plants, they may not survive the freeze that happens overnight. So that's what it's looking uh, like right now. It's 48 degrees right now here in uh, Little Rock. Hope that uh, you're ready to enjoy your day. I think it's going to be a pretty day. Lots of sunshine today, and that's good. Elizabeth Sotolaro is on the phone with us. Elizabeth, how you doing? Good morning, good morning. Uh, golly, has it been this cold in forever in April? Yeah, I've not seen it, you know, break the way it is breaking before the middle of this week. Uh, but next week looks really, really back to normal again. It looks like it's going to be in the mid to upper 70s uh, during the day. Today it's going to get up to 71. It's going to feel like it's 78 before the day is over. But I'm just warning everybody, take a coat with you tomorrow morning when you go to work. You're going to need it. It's going to be chilly out. I don't know what they're saying the wind's going to be like, but if the wind is up, it'll feel even colder than uh, what it will be. So I I don't know. It's looking like this cold front's coming in from up north and uh, sweeping across the uh, middle of the United States. They're calling for measurable snow in Missouri. So, oh, yeah. Uh, see, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to, you know, late old man winter is just saying, hey, I'm still here. I can cause some problems if I want to. And never bet against, you know, Mother Nature. Never. Mother Nature. <laughs> yeah. Mother Nature, if she wants to be cantankerous, will be uh, cantankerous. Hey, right off the bat, let's get to started. Let's talk about uh, Maxine Waters. Uh, she. <laughs> has really stepped in a hot pile of it. There's no doubt about that. Uh, The uh, judge in Hennepin uh, County, which is right there outside of uh, Minnesota, uh, really took her to task yesterday. Uh, The county judge there, Peter Cahill, criticized Waters from the bench. Now, that's important for everybody to understand. Typically, judges might say something, but from the bench... Um, that that's really strong when they say it from the bench, describing her remarks as, quote, disrespectful to the rule of law. You think? 
You think that she was disrespectful? How long has yeah, she been? She's I, been disrespectful for years. Disrespectful to the people, and now she's being disrespectful to the judicial branch. It's time she leaves. It's time she leaves. If our president was impeached for what he said, they said that he said, then this woman needs to go. Yeah, well, here's he my directly incited violence. How many times? Yeah, my my problem is is that the the jury uh, is not being sequestered, uh, and that they're being told they're that. they're being told don't watch TV. Yeah, uh huh. Right, sure, that doesn't work really well. And uh, Chauvin's lawyers now have pointed out that jurors not being sequestered during the case. So they may not be free from outside influence. And you got a congresswoman who's standing in front of the crowd and telling them to get more confrontational if it's not a guilty, guilty, guilty verdict. I'm just telling you, she set the, the, uh, the defense up to call for a mistrial when she did that. Well, and who is she? Who is she that she thinks that she can make the pronouncement of this case as to what really happened or didn't happen just because of the color of somebody's skin? That's what it's really all about. First degree murder, really? Yeah, really? she 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 said she said I don't know if it'd be first degree, but I thought it was cold blooded murder, is what she said. Sure. Now it's been sure. it's been shown in uh, if you've been following this at all that. Uh, the specialists, the, the doctors that were on the uh, stand have shown that this guy was on all kinds of drugs. He had all kinds of health problems. And, uh, you know, he he died of perhaps just natural causes. Um, I know well, what the video natural says. Natural causes assisted with drugs. Yeah. He had so much in, he had so much fentanyl in his system that any other circumstance he would have been considered an overdose yeah think about that fentanyl is the drug that killed michael jackson fentanyl right. is one of the drugs it's that killed extremely toxic it's one of the drugs that killed prince i mean he right. was using it as well because of pain he was using it as a pain medication uh you know i i think there's some there's some areas of uh you know the whole thing about uh, is there any is there is there a shadow of a doubt you know, uh, and and the prosecution didn't help itself. Did you hear what the prosecution said yesterday? They made I the didn't statement. Watch all of the all of the coverage. <laughs> well, here's what they said. All right, here's what the, what the prosecutor said in its closing argument. That's what I tend to watch. I, I watch that. I watch uh, some of the case. I, I I'm not sat in front of the TV and watch every piece of evidence that they've put forward on the prosecutor or the defense. But the the, uh, the prosecutor said, you've heard that, uh, you know, the uh, person that uh, has died had an enlarged heart. Well, you know, he didn't die because of an enlarged heart. He died because the, the, the police officer's heart was too small. And I thought to yeah. myself... You know what I would I, I said if I was sitting on that jury and you were the prosecutor and you said that to me and you were up there on the rail next to the jury box, you would have seen my eyes roll when you said that. Mm-hmm. That's the way I thought about it. Yeah, you know, I thought that was kind of 
just really ridiculous. So let, let's make everybody, uh, again, aware of, of what she had to say uh, to, the, to this uh, Minneapolis crowd at a church is uh, where she spoke. By the way, to go to that, this is a woman who, who has been part of the defund the police movement and, and all the rest. She had a police escort to the, ch- the church to protect her. Did and, you see the video? She was wearing a double mask and a plexiglass face shield. <laughs> okay, well. Surrounded by her people. Yeah, Mrs. W- Ms. Waters tried to rile, to rile up the crowd to protest an acquittal. Now, if the, if the jury is not sequestered and you heard what she said, it could influence you. Here's what she said. I hope we get a verdict that says guilty, 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 she said. And if we don't, we cannot go away. We've got to stay on the street. We get more active. We got to get more confrontational. Confrontational. Mm -hmm. And that sounds like she's trying to influence the jury. She's trying to say to the jury, you don't find him guilty. You know, we'll burn Minneapolis down. That's kind of how it comes off. These folks clearly care nothing about the real rule of law, a non-biased trial with actual evidence being presented by non-biased, you know, prosecutors and defense folks and a jury of your peers that would, you know, judge that information in a fair manner. It's strange. They don't agree with the system. They don't agree with the way it works, but she's demanding a certain outcome as if she will be satisfied when that outcome occurs. That's not going to happen. It doesn't matter what outcome comes out of this. They're going to create violence. They've made that very clear, no matter what. No matter what. We have have reached a point in our society where we are being ruled by the other side, the left, and their only method of taking care of anything is to riot, burn, loot, scream and yell, intimidate people at their homes, intimidate people when they're out. They don't believe in the system. I feel for every person involved in this trial, every person involved in this trial. Do you think that the rest of their lives, any of them will be allowed to have a life? Yeah, it well, matter. we've heard about some of the people. Out. Uh, there was, I forget what trial it was, that uh, a guy who who uh, voted on the uh, jury uh, to acquit somebody had his home smeared with blood over the weekend. Well, the place they smeared, they thought, was the home of someone involved, and it turns out not that the person hasn't lived there in years. No, okay, so, so it wasn't they even went with old that, information. You know, they thought that's what they were doing, but he hasn't even lived there in years. So not only are the people involved in the case going to get harassed and doxxed and chased and treated poorly, if you will, everybody else around them. This is a this is a situation we have to stop what's going on with this lack of respect for other people, lack of respect for our country lack of respect for the systems that we have in place. If you don't like them, you change them with certain ways. But this threat of violence, if you don't get the way, you know, what you want has got to stop. Well, CNN's Annie Grayer talked to Speaker Pelosi, said that she told her that uh, Representative Maxine Waters 
does not need to apologize for her comments in Minneapolis and yeah. made the case that Waters talked about confrontation in the manner of the civil rights movement or if Waters' comments incite violence, Pelosi said, no, absolutely not. Okay, this is the same idea that, you know, if you're black, you can say whatever you like and it's okay, but any other color is not allowed. I mean, President Trump did not say anything to incite violence. In fact, he instructed people to be peaceful. They brought him up on impeachment charges. Oh, yeah. This woman is directly inciting violence. Oh, well, but it's okay because it was in the voice of the civil rights. I agree. All right, let's take a break. First break for the day. PI Roofing wants you to know they can take great care of your roof. They are the professionals in the area about this. Over 20 years, they've been doing this. And, you know, once you get past like 10 years, it means whatever it is that you do for your business, you're doing it right. And it's past 20 years now for the folks at uh, P.I. Roofing, Joel Johnson, his wife, uh, Veronica, do a great job of uh, keeping your, your roof in good shape. After a hailstorm, I called them, had them come out. They walked the roof, got off of it, came down to Dave. That, that hail did bad damage to your roof. You do need a new roof. Uh, they called my insurance company. The appraiser came out, agreed with them. And within a couple of weeks, I had a brand new roof on my house. And uh, it was uh, a great job by then. I mean, I like the job they did on my roof. I like the job they did around my house. You know, you get some of these fly-by-night organizations that are out there, and they don't clean up around your house, the paper blowing everywhere. And and the, the big thing is while they're putting your shingles on and stuff, they're using uh, nail guns, and those nails sometimes start flying all over the place, and they end up in your yard. And then you get out, and you're mowing your yard, and it starts slinging those things around. And when those hit you, it's going to hurt. Well, they take a big magnet around your house uh, at PI Roofing, and they pick all those nails up and, and get rid of them for you so you don't have to worry about it. It's those attentions, attention to details that makes PI Roofing so good. You call them. Take, it my, take my word for it. These people will do you a great job. There's been a lot of my friends that have used them. A lot of people that have listened to the show have used them. I've never heard anybody give them a bad rap. Call them at 707-3551. That's 707-3551. Or you can reach them online at piroofing.com. Well, we knew it was coming. The president said that if a male identifies as female that they must be allowed to reside in the female dorm, if they so desire, on a college campus. And right here in Arkansas, a local college is pushing back and taking the president to court. The College of the Ozarks is uh, suing President Biden over his anti-discrimination executive order that, as I just told you, would force the school to abandon its religious principles in favor of left-wing gender policies. Alliance Defending Freedom, ADF, 
a religious liberty legal group that you've heard on my show quite often, uh, filed a lawsuit in the Western District of Missouri on behalf of the College of the Ozarks, claiming that Biden's Anti-Discrimination Act, quote, requires private religious colleges to place biological males into female dormitories and assign them as females' roommates. The college has assigned dormitories and separated intimate spaces such as showers and bathrooms based on biological sex and does not wish to alter that practice. The College of the Ozark holds the belief that biological sex is not changeable and operates its dorms accordingly. Biden's executive order would ban the college for continuing that practice, and according to the lawsuit, claims that the order violates the school's First Amendment protected rights to tell students about its religious-informed residence hall policies. And I'm quoting now from the lawsuit, Occupancy and access in the college's residence halls are separated by biological sex, not identity, and that residence in student housing depends on compliance with the student code of conduct, including the commitment to avoid all sexual relations outside of a marriage between one man and one woman. So uh, this uh, was bound for the courts from the moment that the president signed that executive order. So it's now in the courts. And I personally think if this thing goes all the way to the Supreme Court, the administration is going to lose. This Supreme Court has been pretty doggone straight about how they feel uh, dealing uh, with this issue and about religious freedom in general. And what do you think, uh, Elizabeth? Uh, I think it's high time that we start pushing back, and I think that Biden's uh, policies are going to get challenged at every turn. The real question I have is whether the courts will rule appropriately or will pass. There have been so many important issues that have been brought to the courts, and a couple of them, in my opinion, to the Supreme Court. I do not know why. I don't pretend to be that intelligent about what the Supreme Court thinks, but I can't for the life of me understand why they have not taken some of the cases that they have rejected. And this one is another one. I wonder if they will rule on it. They did rule on the Little Sisters. That one was a landmark. You would think that these types of cases would be very similar. Well, you would hope so. I mean, they have been pretty active in protecting churches uh, during the pandemic from being shut down and people not being able to go in and worship. I think they have ruled eight different times now that the government cannot cross that line uh, and and tell churches that they cannot have worship. Uh, The college, by the way, is seeking temporary relief from the Missouri court, citing its plans for the upcoming fall semester to separate incoming students by their biological sex. College of the Ozarks is a private Christian school in uh, Point Lookout, Missouri. The school's president, Dr. Jerry Davis, said that religious freedom is under attack from the Biden administration. So that's where we're at right now, dealing with uh, uh, religious freedom. And, you know, we've talked about this uh, uh, 
Elizabeth, that with what the uh, the president is trying to do, uh, religious freedom is being attacked uh, full on now because this new law, uh, the equity law that the uh, con- the uh, the House passed hasn't passed in the Senate yet, but passed in the in, in the uh, in the House uh, does not place that law under RIFRA, which means that it doesn't matter what your religious views you are to comply. Period. Well, the left has got to destroy the religious population, so to speak, in our belief system, because if they don't. They cannot replace the government or, you know, replace that belief with the government. That's what their whole thing is all about is big daddy government will do everything for you. You don't have to work. We'll give you uh, what's it called? Guaranteed income. We'll take care of all your health needs. We'll make sure that when you're pregnant, you can have babies. We'll do all these things for you and you don't do anything. It completely completely removes our independence and our autonomy. And it is so contrary to the right. of our country the way we were founded. They Keep what, stop. You know, I got you to stop because we got news to go to right now. We'll, <laughs> keep, we'll pick it up on the other side. I'll get back to talking with Elizabeth here in just a moment. First of all, though, I want to remind you, I heard a story today early on uh, the news that uh, there are more people out selling homes than there are homes to sell. And that the reason that this has occurred is because uh, in the past, the uh, housing market, they weren't building uh, houses quick enough. And so now, existing homes that are on the market, there's even fewer of them because some have already been bought, that we have a real uh, low, low inventory out there. And because of that, if you're selling your home right now, you can probably feel that you'll get what you're asking, if not more. And on top of that, money's not hard to come by to be able to buy a house. So you've got the money to buy, but you got a small inventory, which means you have a seller's market going on right now. So you want to keep that in mind. And so it's important for you to talk to somebody to get with somebody that has a plan to make your house stand out amongst other houses so that people look at your house first, and when they look at it, it's all set up so that people want to buy it. And you might be able to get a bidder's war going. Not promising that, but you can move that forward because people want to buy a house and now people are you know having have homes they're renting them things of that nature and uh, the the housing market is tight really really tight right now so if you want to get with somebody who can give you all the ins and outs of how to sell your house and get the maximum price you can then you got to talk to the uh you know, the realtor that I would be calling if I needed to sell my home today, and that's Dustin Turner. He knows all the ins and outs. He knows how to stage. He knows how to market your home so that you'll get the type of uh, 
you know, people that want to come by and buy your home. So call him today. Call Dustin today at 501-952-2969. That's 501-952-2969. Or just go online. Go to uh, hometeamsoldit.com. Again, hometeamsoldit.com and get that house sold now. All right, Elizabeth is with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I wanted to go back and for people who don't think that the uh, the people who are pushing socialism in this country are any different than uh, the people who uh, took over the Soviet Union and took over, you know, China or whatever. Uh, remember what Marx said, that religion was the opiate of the masses, and it had to go. That's exactly how the people that are pushing socialism think today. They see the church, they see religious thought, they see faith as being a place that uh, is a wall uh, that keeps them from getting to the results that they want in this country. And Elizabeth, I think when we see this that's going on now about you know the president of the United States saying I don't care if you got a religious school or not don't matter what your yeah. what your belief system is you will put boys in with girls or we will punish you it's a frightening it's a frightening place that we're at and it's also a sobering place and i i i fear that people don't understand the seriousness of where we are I I think so many people have gotten weary of the politics up to now and the back and forth and the tit for tat. And I don't like the tweeting and I don't this and I don't that. And, you know, I'm afraid of all the violence. I don't want to see it on TV. I turn it off. I'm afraid that people are not realizing that we are in very grave danger. I honestly believe that we are in a war for the future of our country. They might as well be in the streets with guns, but because they are not They are waging this war from the inside out. They are tearing down every cultural norm that we have built this country on. And I I worry. We should be in the streets. We should be out there in mass everywhere. I have a friend who often says, well, we don't have time because we're all out there working. Well, you know, I mean, I think at this point it actually is serious enough that maybe you need to think about where your time is getting spent because – they have time, whether it's because they don't work, whether it's because they are who they are, they have time to be out there. They're constantly bombarding our legislature, for example, locally. Thousands of calls. They're in the in the halls every day. Our people, not so much. I really I really fear for that. Well, I can tell you this much. I am, am very proud of the Arkansas legislature because They've done a pretty good job, as far as I'm concerned. I give them a 90% of standing up against these uh, these outliners, as far as I'm concerned. Well, and did you see what our dear governor had to say about that? They are just, you know, chasing rabbit holes, to put it in our vernacular. They are just doing their thing. They're just, um, you know, acting on their emotion, and they're overdoing it, according to what the governor was saying on the weekend. The only reason that we are passing the laws that are being passed in this legislative cycle is because the left has decided to attack us. 
attacking those laws and trying to get rid of the laws that we've had for generations. If that's what you want to do, then expect that we're going to push back. I think that's what has upset me as much as anything else on behalf of our governor who calls himself a Republican. And I do agree with you. I think our legislature has done a pretty darn good job. Uh, We keep a listing at Faulkner County reports of all the lawmakers votes. It's kept current every week. I'm the one who gets to update that lovely information. And it is, it is a really, um, I enjoy the task because I get to see all the good things that they are doing. Now, yes, I see the failures. We're going to have both. We're never going to have all of one. But our legislature, as you had predicted, has been more conservative this year than in as far as I can remember. Well, I think it's happened because whether the governor wants to admit it or not, he's a lame duck and people aren't afraid what he's going to do in two years. That's a, that's well, a simple to, part of it. And according to the news reports that I saw, he plans to, the way I'm interpreting it, he's going to start an anti-Trumpism pact. He's going to try to pull the Republican Party away from this terrible, terrible trend that it's on toward nationalism. Yeah, well, let's and, uh, talk about that, because he did an interview uh, with uh, the folks at uh, Talk Business and Politics. He did a, uh, a sit-down exclusive, and uh, he said that beyond taking the reins as chairman of the uh, NGA, that's the National Governors Association, uh, this a summer. A powerful group. Yes. He plans to start a political action effort for education advocacy, and to raise money for GOP candidates across the U.S. in the 2022 elections. Quote, 2022 is a very, very important year for our country and for our party, and I want to be engaged in that debate. So when the legislative session is over with, I hope to set up a national leadership effort called America Strong and Free, where I can help influence the direction of our country in 2022. We'll see where that leads, he said. And I didn't think that he had it in him, but evidently he does. Uh, They said at the beginning, Roby Brock says at the beginning of this article, Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson may not have formally committed to a 2024 presidential run, but he's raising his profile to be a national voice in 2022. Now, does that mean that he's going to go after Sarah because of her Trump uh, leanings? That would be an interesting idea. That's sort of what I'm feeling about that. Um, He's raising his national voice as if he has not been on a leftist television show every single Sunday for weeks and weeks, if not one, even two a day, you know, a week and basically lobbing grenades at the conservative base that elected him in Arkansas. The last two weeks, he basically said, that, like say in this print article, he talks about the legislature being over-emotional and, and overstepping their bounds, and he basically called their judgment into question on television, national television, two weeks ago. And yet he calls himself a Republican. I have a real problem with it. Well, I, I you know, if, I don't have a problem if he voice. wants to do it. Look, if he wants to do I mean, it, he that, can do anything he likes. That's him. Yeah. But, you know, don't expect me to follow behind. Here's what I find interesting, Elizabeth. And let's talk about this just for a couple of. Well, we'll take a break after I read this and <laughs> and then we'll talk about it. 
He says, quote, I'm concerned about what the future holds under the Biden administration. We're spending too much money. We're over-regulating. There's a lot of pushback. And I think it's important for me to be a balanced voice, but also an important voice in pushing back on that, but also shaping our party in a good way in 2022. Now that, I'm going to tell you what, that is a whole lot of pablum to say, <laughs> I want to make sure that we uh, we devise the, the uh, Republican Party away, away from what Donald Trump was taking us towards, even though a large group of people believed in it. Look, Biden only beat the president by less than 1% of the vote. Less than 1%. That means there's a lot of people that are out there that believe in what is happening uh, and what Trump wants to do. The other thing of this is there's a lot of buyer's remorse already for Biden. I would say probably 2 or 3%. If that's the case, if somebody runs that has uh, this belief of America first in 2024, they should win. I don't know if that's going to be Trump. I don't know if that's going to be Cotton. I don't know if that's going to be DeSantis or Dome or, uh, you know, Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or whom it's going to be. I know there's going to be a lot of people who run for the banner, but uh, I don't know who's going to get picked. But they better be ready to put America first because that's what Americans want. All right. When we get back. Let's talk about Georgia on the other side. Okay, let's talk about all of that here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. And we will do that uh, with you. I want to tell you about St. Clarity Residential Cleaning and the great job they'll do cleaning your home. Think about this. They'll come into your house. They're going to get in those corners, get that dirt out of there that, you know, all of us who clean our hel- our homes on a like kind of a weekly basis, probably two days a week, you know, run the sweeper and dust and all the things that you got to do so that uh, at least on the surface the house looks clean. But if you get down to push comes to shove, there's a lot of places that need to be taken care of, and that's where St. Clarity can come in for you and, and do that. I mean, how many of you, I know I don't, but how many of you clean your baseboards all the time? I don't. I, I can't re- to be honest with you. I was talking to somebody, and they told me this, and I have to agree with them. The last time I cleaned my baseboards is when I painted my baseboards. <laughs> That's the truth. I mean, it really is. And uh, I'm looking at painting my baseboards before the end of this uh, this year. I don't... That whole thing, get down on your hands and knees and, and doing that stuff, That I just don't have time to do that. St. Clarity can get it done for you. St. Clarity Residential Cleaning. Now, typically, a home up to 2,500 square foot, it's going to cost you about $300 to get that kind of cleaning done. I mean, they come in, it's going to take them four, five hours to do your house. That's a lot of cleaning that they can do. And uh, they can get that soap scum off of your uh, you know, bathroom, uh, you know, wall and things of that nature. But here's what I can do for you. Instead of it costing you 300 bucks, I can get you that uh, cleaning for only $150. Here's what you have to do. You got to call the number here at the station. 
404-464-4540 and talk to Chuck. And Chuck will take care of you. Call after 9. Call after 9 and he'll take good care of you and get you a certificate. But call soon because we're almost out of uh, certificates again. Uh, People have really liked this deal and I think if you try it, you're going to like it as well. That is uh, getting in with uh, St. Clarity Residential Cleaning, courtesy of the good folks right here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. Touch base real quickly with Asa again and what he said in that last statement about how much money Biden was spending. Well, that's kettle calling pot black, I'm just saying. All right. Uh, <laughs> The the governor of this state has expanded big government uh, here in uh, Arkansas, and uh, I don't think he should be crowing too loudly, if you know what I mean. He definitely has done those things. That's the hypocrisy that I don't expect. Let me say it a different way. I do expect it from him, actually. I don't expect it from my Republicans that I expect to take care of business going forward in our current political climate. <laughs> yeah, and I agree. It's going to be funny, fun to watch. Uh, he's got uh, today's Tuesday, so he's got about three more days uh, to make up his mind whether he is going to sign or veto mm-hmm. the sovereignty bill that's sitting in front of him. I think that's SB 298 is the number. Uh, when I talked uh, last Friday uh, to the man who sponsored that, uh, he, he felt, uh, the senator felt that uh, the, the the governor was going to sign it. But after what I saw, what he had to say over the weekend, the governor, uh, it, I don't think it's a slam dunk uh, in any way, I'm, shape, or form. You know, he talks about that he believes that the governor should have a stronger veto power And he also comments about that, about bills. I forget the exact quote, something about bills sit on his desk to maybe give the legislature something to think about. His paternalistic discussions and comments about the legislature show that he does not agree with equal powers. In other words, we do have separation of powers, but he is not the king. And he acts as if our legislature is just there to work with. Now, he did praise the two leaders of the legislative body, you know, the uh, both chambers. Um, he almost kind of has to do that. But he, he basically said, you know, if I leave a bill sitting on my desk, you know, that may be something you need to be thinking about. And I don't know. I just feel like that's very petty. And especially, again, he's a Republican. He's a Republican. You never hear him talk about the fact that we have all three branches of government. That's a trifecta. That's a good thing because he really doesn't want to pull in the same direction that I believe the majority of the base wants. The base has changed on these people, and they don't understand. He's one of them. They don't understand. It's a different ball game these days. Um, in Georgia, I texted you about this, heard it over the weekend. This is the time of the year when a lot of the Republican county parties change and vote for new leadership. In Georgia, there are six counties that uh, overturned the current regime, if you will, which would be called rhinos, and in favor of what we would call Make America Great MAGA candidates or people that really want the resolutions to the problems that we're facing rather than the continual political talk that we've heard in the past. Talk, 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 no action. 
So in one particular county, uh, because he heard it on a radio show that precinct captains are needed and you should go join your local Republican Party and get busy, he went and did that. (laughs) He won three to one over the other candidate who had been in office to take over their county party. When he did so, (laughs) this is Douglas County, Georgia, when he did so, the entire uh, rest of the of the slate of officers quit and said we won't work with him. So because he supported Trump, so they showed themselves to be rhinos, and so the whole entire party is now restructured with entirely non-rhino officers, and it's all because somebody got busy and went out and did this. Six, five other counties in Georgia have changed recently from kicking out people in Georgia. Now remember Georgia. They're on fire over there because of what's happened with elections. There are 21 counties in Georgia who have voted to censure the state. Uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Rapsenberger. Yeah. The person right at the center of all this election. Yes. Mess. Yes. And so that's a pretty big deal. I mean, this is thing. These are things that have never happened before. It's signs that the Republican Party is rousing to life. You know, when you and I were younger, the Republican Party was the party of the big corporation and the little guy. His home was with the Democrats. Now it's just the opposite. It's flipped. All the corporate. Yeah. With the corporate uh, woke culture and tech taking over and running our public square. It's now become the left purview is the big, big corporations. Well, I'm um, going to reach out. Wake up. Yeah, I'm going to reach out to Senator Hawley of uh, Missouri, see if we can get him on the show, because uh, he believes that big tech, it's time, like Ma Bell was back in her day, to be broke up. And we'll uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get in and, and get a discussion with him here in the next couple of weeks. Elizabeth, we're out of time. I appreciate you joining me today. A lot of great stuff. Uh, here in this first hour, local and national. I appreciate you, and I'll talk to you later this afternoon. Yes, sir, you do that, and you have a great Tuesday. All right, thank you very much. We'll take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. News is next. Then the Bible guys make their appearance here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. guys it is a tuesday this is their designated hour that they come on and spend time with us scott is here from agape church he's the uh, senior pastor there at the church and uh, 
the guy who preaches over there from time to time. And are you more are more uh, active with the Hebraic side now? Billy? I am. I have always been uh, okay. more active on the Hebraic side. But yes, uh, I am over at Ahava, which is a ministry of Agape. So that's going on big time now on yep. Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I guess Steve uh, kind of introduced it big time on this last weekend. Uh, we introduced it on uh, on Passover Sunday. Uh, oh, okay. Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, we actually uh, put it out to the whole congregation. But we've been actually doing this since uh, October. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Middle of October last it, year. Yeah. So. And so uh, Billy and Steve are, are more or less appoint people on um, on that ministry aspect of the of the church and what we do. But uh, it's just been by word of mouth. And God has drawn uh, people from, uh, you know, yonder and and, uh, and near and... Um, we got a we got a good group that's coming now. Yep. Are yeah. you finding your Sunday group are interested in this and are attending Saturday and Sunday? Uh, well, they're they're, they're definitely uh, interested because a lot of questions have been coming, but um, I don't think we've seen a lot of crossover yet. Maybe a, uh, we've seen a few. Two, yeah, a few. we've seen a few. But I know uh, we had more big numbers. Yeah, yeah we, we, had, we had more of our people uh, attending the Passover Seder that uh, uh, that uh, that we did. Um, but as far as on the Shabbat service. Uh, just a few uh, at the moment, yeah. So do you get the same reaction from your people that we got out at New Life when we did uh, the Passover meal? And, I mean, we literally had people walk up in tears. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they had not heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in the beginning when we uh, – because I introduced this to our congregation seven years ago. So um, uh, now for them it's it's how we do life. But – in the beginning, everybody's just like in shock and awe. Yeah. Uh, just like, what? Why Why have we not been taught this? Or why Why did no one tell us about this? And so it is a very shocking thing. And then you start saying, well, what else have I not been told? Right. What, what else has been hidden from me? So then it begins kind of begins to snowball down a hill, which is a beautiful thing, but it is very shaking in the beginning. Well, it seems to me in the current Christian climate, okay, uh, you go to you go and you you hear the preachers preaching and they come right up to the edge yeah. of Hebraic thought mm-hmm. and then they pull back. Yeah, and it's simply because they weren't taught it. They just yeah. can't make that last step. It seems like to yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate uh, that it is that way. But um, you know, when they go to seminary and they're not taught it, then they just don't know. They teach what they were taught. And I was telling someone the other day, I said, you know, when you sat in university and your professor was lecturing, you didn't bother to research their research. Right. You took notes and you believe what they said was true. And that was what you learned. And I said, this happens the same way in seminary. You have a, you know, a Ph.D. prof up there, you know, lecturing and you write down what he says because you believe what he's saying is true and you don't research his research. So where he stops is where your teaching stops, and yeah. if you don't keep pushing on beyond that. Well, a lot of people don't know I went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and I I really loved apologetics. Mm-hmm. I really liked it a lot. Yeah. Now, here's the interesting part of, about it. Uh, you know, Dr. Uh, I'm trying to think, is it, I, I get a doctor I had when I had meningitis and the doctor who was there <laughs> at seminary mixed together. Because they both had Bushy in their last name, but anyway, Bushy, yeah. Oh, so really? He made he made the statement. He gave us assignments like a Tertullian and and some of the early church fathers, mm-hmm. 
what they didn't tell us is that these were early church fathers, but not the earliest church fathers. And there was a large gap between the earliest and them. Yeah. Sometimes two or three hundred years. And you think about that. And thought was different. Yeah. And where they grew up was different and, and where they learned was different. You know, you think about the United States from George Washington to us is only 244 years. Right. So how, how much different are we now than they were than they then? Were. And if you can imagine a church father who was even further away from the source than that. I was telling a church a few weeks ago that I was ministering out up in Van Buren. You know, I said, you know, there was no New Testament as you have it in your hand until about 380 Right. All right. So the distance would be like, what would our church look like? Okay. So from George Washington to us, 244 years, we'd have to add an extra 140 years. So that's the year I think I came up with the year 2,156. So from George Washington to the year 2,156, that's how long the church was was without uh, a New Testament as we have it. So if all we were using was the Old Testament, what would we look like? And so... You have to think time frame like that to really kind of get the context of what people are teaching and what they're thinking. Very, it's it's an interesting construct to say the least. Mm-hmm. And I could, and, and I think that the they don't teach the earliest church father, uh, fathers because they weren't influenced by Constantine. No, they weren't. They weren't. The and, ones that I started with had all been influenced by right, Constantine. Right. Yeah. How, how's this for a thought? The early church fathers were Jewish apostles. Yeah. yeah. Matthew, yeah. Mark, Luke. I mean, go ahead and listen. The, 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 the 12 apostles were the original, quote, church fathers, if yeah. you want to say. But you get beyond that, and you take, if you take your church father and you pluck him, uh, and if he's no longer a, an Israelite or a, or a Hebrew, and now he is from uh, Alexandria, Egypt, or if he's from other, uh, some, uh, you know, um, Greece, yeah, Greece, or, Rome, or Northern or, Africa, you know, as Augustine was. Yeah, it, it, like you got all these church fathers coming from places other than the uh, the root source, and you're always going to have a, a different opinion. And I mean, so they weren't challenged by the early church fathers, right? Right. I but, think a lot of the things that they came up with, because Constantine, well, number one, said you're going to do it my way. Mm-hmm, he did. So let let in on all the pagans in and and figure out how you can include that in christianity i i gotta believe you know some of the i'm not going to even say the 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 apostles the ones that came right after the apostles they would have fought against that left and right yeah that's there's a a lot of um information about the, the the disciples of the original 12 disciples one famous one is a guy named polycarp uh, but there's several. I studied. No, I did study. Did you study Polycarp? Yeah. yeah. And he was a disciple of the original twelve. Uh, but yeah, you get uh, you get down to six and seven and ten generations away, uh, and you, especially when you run into Constantine, he was the great what I like to call he was the great um, uh, seeker friendly yeah. guy. Yeah. So basically, oh, you're going to go to that country. Well, find out what customs they have and integrate and them. integrate them into the church so that you can win them. And just change the names of the customs and yeah. kind of baptize their 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 religious uh, traditions and make them Christian, give them a new name, and just suck it into the church. And that way you can win them. And although there is some 
wisdom about going into people's world and and ministering to them, you don't change your your faith right. based upon the tradition of man. And wow, wouldn't it be good if the church remembered that even today? Yeah. Yes. So it is. Yeah. It I mean, is seriously, <laughs> it is true that Jesus, that Yeshua, met people where they were. He yes. went to them, but when they walked away from that encounter it wasn't jesus who was changed that's and that's right. the problem with the church the, the church will go and meet people where they are and then the church changes to meet them mm-hmm. instead of trying to change them uh and it's a it's a problem it's been a problem for you know 1700 years at this point yeah you know? and then when the, when you finally flip it around and, and tell the people no you have to change and they say okay well i'm going to go to the church down the road right and they leave and then pastors are left with okay so how what do i do now if if i if I push them too hard to change, <clears throat> keep preaching the, the truth, then they're going to, to leave. And the answer to the question is keep preaching the truth because that's right. you cannot. And that's the problem. You cannot um, you cannot allow the church to change based upon the preference of people. And that's that's what's happening today. All right. We're going to take a break. I'm going to read the question. We're going to come back and deal with. Then we'll take a break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Bible guys are here. Scott's here, and uh, of course, Billy's here. Steve had to work. Uh, he's out uh, doing what Paul would have said is mending the nets right now, mm-hmm. and uh, he's feeding his family, and that's number one on the list to get done. But here's the question. It says, Dear Bible guys, how do we balance mercy and judgment? We've been dealing with that question since the beginning. I understand that we're supposed to forgive 70 times 7, and to turn the other cheek, etc. But how do I walk that out? Now, that's the first half of the question. That's a whole show right yeah, there. Yeah. All right. Uh, I am surrounded by a lot of sinful people doing sinful things, and I really want to confront them. But when and how should I do that? And what should I? When should I just show mercy to them and overlook it? All right. There's a second question. Uh, we'll see if we got more of a show to do after we answer both of those. Uh, don't forget about uh, David Lucas and what he's got going on over at uh, David Lucas Financial. And uh, he wants me to tell you that if you have questions about filing for Social Security, you can get the answers in a simple, easy-to-understand booklet called Your Guide to Social Security. One of the things that David does that's really, really good is he puts together these pamphlets, these these little booklets, like, uh, you know, are you ready for retirement and all of that? And he asks all the pertinent questions so that you got to, you know, deal with them. And then he gives you the information for your answer so you can deal with those questions. Uh, The 27-page booklet outlines what you need to know that could help you get even more income when you file for Social Security. If you're within five years of filing for Social Security, get this free booklet now. All you got to do is call 501-222-3315. And as a bonus, you'll receive a free, that's my favorite word that starts with F and is four letters long. Uh, you'll receive a free customized Social Security analysis that pinpoints the optimal time to wring every uh, nickel out of your benefits. Here's the number again. Pick it up. Pick your phone up and uh, punch in 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. 
All right, so let's start off with that question. How do we balance mercy and judgment? I understand that we're supposed to forgive 70 times 7 and to turn the other cheek, etc., but how do I walk that out? So let's go back to the New Testament. How did Peter walk that out? So how about I take the short answer and then you can have the rest of the show. How's that going? So so the short answer here is... um, Often we have a misconception uh, about what Jesus and the disciples did. And the reason we have that misconception is because they lived in an environment where everyone around them was, quote, unquote, a believer, right? Everyone around them was 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 Jewish. Everyone around them were starting from the same baseline. Uh, by and large today in our culture, that is not true. Uh, we have a, a pretty... Um, Defi- uh, defined dividing line between believer and unbeliever, those who are saved uh, and those who are not. And if we are talking about behavioral things uh, and we are talking about unbelievers and from the tone of the question, that's kind of what uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, the individual is saying, um, I'm a follower of Messiah, but the people around me are not. And I'm having a hard time uh, adjusting to the, their behavior. There is zero need to address their behavior because it does no good. There is, there is a absolute need to address their salvation. Mm-hmm. Salvation must come first. And this is the reason people always accuse us of, of thinking that we are uh, saved by our, our works. And, and we tell them, Hey, look, the works come afterwards. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't follow the law to be saved. I follow the law because I am saved. Yeah, that's right. Um, so the, the, the short answer here is if they are not saved if they are not followers of messiah then you can be upset at their behavior but that's just being upset with with what satan's up to period well they'll look at you and go i don't care if you're upset with me and and we shouldn't be surprised i mean what do sinners do sinners sin we shouldn't be surprised that the unrighteous act unrighteously we shouldn't be upset that the unsaved act as if they are unsaved this is what we should be surprised at is when the godly act unrighteously or when the godly act right. uh, you know against the law of God. But you, you but sinners are going to sin. You just it's just what they do. So that that in itself shouldn't be uh, a problem and should not uh, not upset us. Uh, but when it, but um, yeah, I guess in a way you, you kind of have to get into the mind of the um, of the guy who's asking the question here. Um, yes, you do forgive seventy times seven, but forgiveness does not mean that you don't still hold people accountable for what they've done if what he's referring to if he's referring to christians that are doing things that's different um but it does sound like it's just a bunch of um, people that are that are lost in that case uh you you have the obligation to share the gospel with them if we're dealing with believers then you have a responsibility as a brother in the lord to confront your brother (laughs) with what he is doing but you can confront people in love yes. uh, and with mercy. I mean, I think all of us would say Jesus was, in fact, mercy personified. But mercy personified still turned over the tables in the temple. Right, right. Mercy personified did st- still make a whip and go and drive people out. Mercy personified did still say, you whitewashed tombs, you white sepulchers. He, mercy personified still said, you brood of vipers. I mean, that is love incarnate that did those things mm-hmm. a part of the problem is our american american 
modern evangelical idea of what mercy love looks it. like yep, love or what mercy. love mm-hmm. looks like. Um, what does mercy look like in the eyes of God? Mercy looks like in the eyes of God, if something is happening over here that's going to destroy one of his children, the mercy of God eliminates that part that's going to bring uh, bring harm. Many people might have a hard time understanding this, but but judgment many times is mercy. Yeah, God is mercifully judging a situation to preserve um, your integrity. And I, I think we've mentioned this before, but the Hebrew word for um, judgment uh, is the word mishpat in Hebrew. But the Hebrew word for justice, uh, which I think everybody wants now, you know, everybody's talking about social justice. Everybody wants justice. But the Hebrew word for justice is the word mishpat. In other words, the word for justice and the word for judgment are the same. Because when God executes judgment, it is just. Right. It is right. And so um, um, I would just say to this gentleman that it's really not up to you uh, to bring any judgment. If you tell if you give somebody the scripture, you're not judging them. Right. You're right. you're being merciful and loving to them to show them what God says about their condition. Of course, if again if these are if these are sinners and lost people, you usually need to give them the gospel and don't worry about the other stuff. But if they're believers, it's mercy on your part to confront them. That is mercy. That is love. That's why the Bible says, speak the truth in love. So you you go to someone, and out of your love and compassion for them, you tell them the truth. And the only truth you're going to give them that's going to make any sense is the Scripture. You know, this is not to imply that these people are, are children. But, you know, if your child is about to stick their hand in the fire— you don't just sit back and say, well, I'm just going to let them do that. I mean, immediately you might grab their hand and pull it back, or you might shout at them. Or if a child's about to run across the street and you see a car coming, you're not going to say, oh, let's lovingly, gently walk over. And No, you're yeah. going to scream <laughs> and you're going to run. because Not because you're, you're not screaming because you're uh, angry, but your love is causing you to shout. Your love is causing you to to um to 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 run or to grab or to pull or to I mean you know if, if you saw someone drowning you wouldn't try to gently pull them out you would grab them by anything you could the back of their jacket their arm the hair of their head anything you could grab and forcefully pull them out and I think that we have a a very much of an Americanized version of what it means to um to quote be merciful uh, to someone because he mentioned they're just to overlook things now love does cover. A multitude of sin, um, but uh, again, we're it depends on who we're dealing with. If we're dealing with unbelievers, or dealing with uh, believers. But a lot of believers need the slack yanked out of them. Yeah. Uh, and that whole love covers a multitude of sins. Um, that's something that we often misunderstand. And mis- so, uh, Scripture flat out says there there are two things here that you have to be aware of. For starters, Yeshua said, "If you don't forgive, I won't forgive you." That's right, and that's a big one. Big. Um, but secondarily, he said, if you don't forgive their sin, neither will I. And that's a problem, too, um, because if you, you can choose to, to make someone else responsible for their sin against you, but in doing so, you become responsible for that sin as well. But this whole mercy cover or sin, uh, love covers a multitude of sin. If I love my brother, I'm going to go to him and release him from that sin. And, and this is what's really there. You know, I, I love you enough that even if... You do something against me. I'm going to come to you and go, hey, 
I'm not going to hold that against you. Number one, I don't want to be responsible for it in the hereafter. And number two, I don't want you to be responsible for it in the hereafter. Now, is there the is there the possibility that restitution needs to be made? Yes, depending on what the sin was, absolutely. All right. But we will release from that sin. You get to finish it when we come back. All right. We got to get to rush. Let's do that. Then the Bible guys will return. You got a question, 823 0965. All right. So you're trying to make sure your business can give your workers good health coverage. You're a, uh, let's say you're a worker, you're self-employed, and you're wanting to get yourself good health coverage. I'm going to direct you to Pat Davis, because Pat Davis can handle both of those situations. Pat Davis will teach you that you can save 30 to 50% on health insurance, that that it's actual health insurance and not a share plan, that uh, it's a, a perfect health plan for a conservative where you don't have to pay for what you don't believe in and that you can choose any provider that's available in the nation. Uh, it's a, a, a insurance that how often do you get a check right now when you go to the doctor, urgent care, or even the hospital or have no copays? I know that all sounds like too good to be true. It's not. It's true. And uh, you just need to talk to Pat Davis and let him work you through it. Uh, Call him at 501-605-6935. 501-605-6935. Or go to yourhealthplanman.com. Now, I'll give you a good example of why some things sound too good to be true, but they're true. And, uh, you know, it, it, it can really benefit you. What's the type of money that you guys were talking about here just a second ago? Talk about Dogecoin. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's new. That's like Bitcoin, but it's new. Mm -hmm. And they were just sitting here kind of talking back and forth, and you said uh, about that, uh, Billy, that it had grown by 900%. Yeah, it's up about 900% over the last couple of weeks. Okay, so so you bought some when it was only four cents. Uh, About three and a half, I think, but yeah. Okay, three and a half. (laughs) Pretty happy about that And what what was it today? It's, uh, I think it's at 42 cents right now. No, all right. I mean, that, you've made some money. A little bit, a little bit. A little bit. Don't tell me a little bit. I'm feeling down again. I know you didn't put $10,000 in, but I I know that you put in... Uh, what I would consider a significant yes. amount, yes, and I, I, you just grew that significant I did. amount. I did. Uh, I, I, I made Mama's cruise for this year. And so, what I love so. about Billy is he's so generous in giving to his friends. Yeah, I, I, I love that about him. Yeah, yeah. That he re- he, he shares what I will. You know. that, that check uh, will be written directly to the word tithe. You're, you're, yeah. Well, you you're welcome to go check just, on it. Later. Let's put it this way: you uh, you share the information. Well, there you go. Well, we share uh, the information of salvation. You what? have to make up your mind if you're going to act on it or not. <laughs> right. I'm giving people this information about health care, uh, yeah. and it sounds too good to be true. So does this, I don't know, douche going or whatever. <laughs> Doge. Uh, uh, the bottom line, it, uh, it really does work. So uh, you call Pat Davis, and uh, I'm just telling you, don't want to get left out on this. Uh, 501-605-69. 35. Okay, the second question of the first question, second part of it, was how do you deal with people that are sinning around you? Mm. Yeah. I just kind of try to remember what Paul said. You know, 
all my works are nothing but dirty rags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you, he wasn't talking about rags that you dust with. No. Correct. All right. He, he would was. Try, that was that day's toilet paper. All right. So they were really dirty. Okay. <laughs> and uh, bottom line is, is that we all are sinners. So you can't kind of just stand there and say, well, look what all these sinners are doing. Yeah. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. I think that's the, um, uh, you know, in the midst of, of a secular environment to where uh, you might have people, you know, talking and swearing. You might you might have all kinds of things happening around you that you uh, that you find are very um, sinful and off-putting. Your job is to is to live the gospel out loud in front of people and don't allow their bad behavior to dim your bright light. And sometimes that happens. We tend to pull back. Um, for example, um, if you're talking to someone and they begin to swear, um, especially if they, if they use the name of the Lord, you, you have every right to say, listen, I'm happy to have this conversation, but I really would prefer uh, that you not um, do that. That's a, that's a very um, offensive thing for you to take the name of the Lord in vain in front of me. Now, that might take a lot for you to do that, but you can set boundaries in your life. You don't yeah. just have to just ignore things you can set boundaries that you want to have a conversation with me i'm happy to do that but there's a boundary in my life and i'm not going to sit here and allow you to profane uh, the name of the lord in, with me and that might you might have to word it differently uh but also uh you know uh, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, what what uh, augustine said he said uh, when he sent out his disciples he said go everywhere and preach the gospel and when necessary use words in right, other words your right. life is meant to be that so so live it in front of them, I tell my people at church. I said, "Go!" I said, "I want you to live your life out loud." And what I mean by that is, if you if you are going to the the, the break room at uh, at your job, you pray over your food like you would when you're at home. Right. Let them feel uncomfortable. You don't have to feel uncomfortable because you're doing what is normal and right. But this world has taught us we should pray, you know, in a corner. We should pray. We, we should not live our life out loud. Listen, you live your life in front of the sinners just like they're living their life in front of you. Don't right. don't pull back from doing what you know is right. Yeah, so, and this is one of, um, I, I don't, I don't know that I've ever called, other than a family member maybe, uh, I don't know that I've ever called anyone out for language or that sort of thing, but I have on many occasions had someone uh, drop a word that should not have been said and then have them go, Oh man, I'm sorry about that mm-hmm. because of what you just said. I, I don't, I don't run around, um, with my Bible hitting people on the head all no. the time, but I do live a consistent life, uh, a perfect life. Absolutely not. But a consistent life to the point that people who know me, who've spent some time with me understand that I'm sensitive to that sort of thing. So when they, um, you know, the decent human beings, uh, we all have indecent human beings in our <laughs> lives, but the decent ones um, who maybe aren't there yet, uh, maybe aren't saved yet, or maybe just haven't cleaned up their behavior yet, yet are sensitive enough that when they drop a, a word that they shouldn't have, I'll get, oh, dude, I'm sorry. I know you don't like that sort of language. That is uh, a perfect sort of example of having lived my life in such a way that they understand. I don't have to go tell them. Yeah. They just understand that's not the way I live. And therefore, that's not acceptable behavior in in my company. Yeah. So, and you know, and if you can, uh, I think Billy's right because that that shows that they are uh, being a little bit convicted in their life about the language they're using around right. you. I'm reminded of a story of um, uh, an old 1930s uh, Pentecostal preacher, uh, 
a guy from England. His name was Smith Wigglesworth. And he was, um, one of the stories of his, he was on a train in the UK somewhere. And he's just sitting there. I think he may have been reading his Bible or something. And he's sitting there. And this guy uh, who's on the train, I don't know if he's walking down the aisle or whatever, but the story is, Someone just basically came and knelt down beside his uh, chair on the on on the train and said, "He said, he, he said, oh, he said, man, he said, you convict me of sin." Now he wasn't doing anything right. other than just being a believer, and I think that we have our world has taught us you can't just be a believer. I mean, we're, we're meant to walk with the anointing of God in our life, the presence of God in our life. If you bring a, a, a flashlight into a completely darkened room. It's going to show up. People we're are going meant, to see you. They're going to see you. We're meant to be <laughs> that light in the uh, darkness. That's why I tell my people, live your life out loud. Do not turn down the volume of your faith just because you go into a place that you perceive might be hostile towards your faith. If we, if everybody turns the volume of their faith down, then the, the enemy begins to take ground. We're meant to live our life out loud and let our light shine. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's something that most of everybody has heard. You know, you don't put your, a light, a candle under a bushel. Right. It's meant to be put on a, on a lampstand so that everybody can, can see it. It can give light. It can give light. So, um, so, you know, if you, if you have a 15 minute break, take your Bible and read it. Let it be seen what you're doing so that people will be convicted of their sin or they will all of a sudden remember you know, I used to do that. I haven't done that in a long time. Or, man, I remember whenever I was a kid, and I went to when my parents or my grandmother would take me to church. It, it just living your life as a believer, like you're supposed to, is normal for you. To live your life incognito is completely against the life of God that's inside of you. Now, I'm not. You have to use wisdom, um, but at the same time. Um, if someone can sit there and read a filthy magazine or read a Fifty Shades of Grey during break, you should be able to pull out uh, the Word of God and read it sitting there right beside them and uh, let your life be a source of convicted people of sin. You should be able to bless your food before you eat That's it. That's right. And, 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 and I encourage you, if you're, when you go to a restaurant, however you pray over your food uh, when you're at home, do it in a restaurant. Don't just bow your head in silence. You don't do that at home. You pray. Do it, do it, and um, do it at at your workplace. So, um, I guess that would be my my counsel. Have you person. ever had this happen? You're at a restaurant, and your food comes, and you bow your head to bless the food. And yeah, I speak out loud when yeah. I I bless my food, but everybody around you gets quiet. Yep, yep. Matter of fact, I've had people at a different table thank me for having done that. So. So the, the, um, your, the blessing you pray over yours kind of floated over onto yeah, theirs. <laughs> uh, there was, and it wasn't even that long ago. Maybe uh, we're in COVID times, so it, it had stopped. Yeah, it was like it was only like four or five restaurant visits ago. That might have been a year and a half, right? So um, where we were, we were we had. Now I will admit um, that I don't do in a restaurant what I do at home because at home. I follow the biblical prescription, which is I eat and then I give thanks to God yeah. for the meal. 
Whereas out in public, we do that the other way around. We we bless before we eat, and and a little old couple, uh, they were just finishing their meal, and they came over and tapped me on the back. So I'm so thankful. I'm so glad that you did that. I'm so glad there's still people who are brave enough there to do go. that in public. And you know, it was one of those things where I hadn't even thought about that being a brave thing, right? But in this day and age. You got to stand up for it. Some it, people. it will, yeah, it it, and it will convict people saying, "You know what? I should have done that." Right. And and your your lifestyle will convict people. We were out on uh, Sunday, and and so we were. Many times you'll see when you're praying, if your waiter or waitress walks up, and you're praying, they'll stand there mm-hmm. quietly and listen to your prayer. Yep. If you know that's going to happen, maybe your prayer should contain a little bit of the gospel. Yeah. Lord, we thank you not only for this food, but we thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah. I mean, put a little preach into it if you know people are going to listen. Now, I will say this last Sunday, we had a uh, a waiter come up, and we're in the middle of praying, and they did not regard us. Wow. So they began to speak while we were in the midst of our prayer. I've so never had that happen. Me, this is the first time. So I'm, we're praying, and this person walks up, and he says, okay, I've got this. He starts saying, okay, I've got this uh, food. There was like six of us around the table. So he starts calling out the the meals he's bringing, but we just continued to pray. Yeah. We didn't yeah. and did not stop. We're not going to allow you to invade this sacred space. And, uh, and so I would encourage people, live out loud. Live your life out loud. All right. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what's going on with applied uh, research uh, they have a type 2 diabetic uh, clinical study going on, and there are limited spots available. You may be eligible to participate in the study if you, one, have type 2 diabetes with inadequate glycemic control. That means your sugar is out of out of hassle. You know, it's like at 235 or something. Two, you're uh, two or three on two, uh, two or three diabetic medications. Qualified participants will receive study-related evaluations and then a study drug at no cost along with compensation for your time. What you need to do is to get in touch with the folks over at Applied uh, Research and tell them you want to be involved with this study. So uh, do that because uh, these studies really can help you out. You got one going on about acute back muscle spasms. Uh, two that I'll tell you about later on in the week. That's all happening at Applied Research. We got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Dear Pastor Scott, I was wondering if you could address the counting of the Omer that should be going on right now as we approach Pentecost. I believe you guys talked about this last year on the program, but I think it would be helpful to repeat again. How should Christians observe this? And is it really that important to make a part of our religious cycle of life? Okay. Um, for the for those who don't know, um, the counting of the Omar, as, I'll just go ahead and uh, quickly reference this. If anybody listening is interested in this, you can go to our church website, ACLR. That stands for Agape Church Little Rock, ACLR.org. And you go to our website, you go to the media tab, now you'll find an archive of sermons. And you can go back to this time period uh, last year, and I did a whole series called The Counting, and it was all about um, the counting of the uh, Omer. And so what this is, is um, um, it is something that, th- that was instituted by the Lord that uh, after, right after, the day after um, 
uh, pa- Passover, you would begin to count, and you were to count uh, the Omer, which is Omer is a, is a measure of um, of um, was it uh, wheat? Yeah, measure of wheat, and and you count fifty days, and what you're doing is you're counting up to the arrival of Shavuot or Pentecost. Okay, and the so, Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, and so what you're doing is you are building anticipation and faith towards the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And you're building Like a lot of times people will have a, uh, they'll have a countdown. You know, they'll count down to something. In this, you're actually counting up. You're, up right. you're counting up towards this monumental event that's going to change everything. And this measure of wheat, this Omer that you're, that you're counting it's, up. I said wheat. It's not wheat. It's, it's barley. barley. It's barley. Yeah. Uh, you're, barley first, then wheat. Yeah. So you're counting up this, this measure of grain. And what it's all about, it's about a harvest that's coming. Because right. what happens when Pentecost comes, it's the wheat harvest. So it's about harvest. And what happened on the Feast of Pentecost? 3,000 souls get saved. So you're actually right. building up anticipation to the arrival of the Holy Spirit that ushers in uh, a great uh, harvest. And this answers the question. And my whole teaching is based around this when I, in that series I did. The question you know, needs to be asked, and we ask it and answer it in the series. But basically, so Jesus dies for our sins, defeats death, hell, and the grave, raises from the dead, and guess what? He hangs around here for right. 40 days. Right. And it's like, why? 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 I mean, he's, uh, did he heal anybody else? There's no record. Did he raise anybody else from the dead? There's no, what did he do? Is the plan of salvation over? The answer is yes. Is everything now fixed? Yes. So why is he here? The answer to that question about, is it important? It must be important. Otherwise, why would Jesus hang around for 40 days counting the over? And then when he goes, when he ascends to heaven, he says, now, 10 days left, I want you guys to go to Jerusalem and prep and get ready for the, the, helper. Of, the helper, the peace of Pentecost. So so he is in heaven counting the Omer, waiting for that 50th day to click over. Because he told him, he said, go and wait until you receive power. Um, and he talked about how important the Holy Spirit was. But he didn't send it on day one or day two or day right. five. What's he waiting for? If it's the Holy Spirit is that important? Why is he waiting? Because he's still counting the Omer. He's still building that. And on that 50th day, when they counted the Omer for the 50th time, bam, the Holy Ghost was uh, was sent. So it's a it's a part of, you know, people say, well, there is no New Testament until after the resurrection. Well, hello, this 40 days is after the resurrection. And what is right. he doing? Right. He's counting. The, so you can look at it this way. The first thing Jesus is do, does after his resurrection is start counting the Omer. So if the New Testament doesn't start until after the death, burial, and resurrection, what is important to Jesus? Counting that Omer. And the first major thing that happened in in, in the life of uh, the Christian faith after the resurrection is the arrival of the Holy Ghost, which is the finishing of the Omer and the arrival of the feast of Shavuot. So um, yeah, I, I think I dominated that. But yeah, okay. with, 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 uh, with all you're saying, yeah. so what day is like – the day we should be looking for Pentecost. What day is it? So Pentecost is literally 50. So we count 49 days of the Omer, and then the following, the, the day after that, um, it will be Pentecost. And we, we talk about Pentecost Sunday. Um, and the reason for that is that the Omer starts, I believe it's the first Sabbath after Passover is when you start counting it. So it will always arrive on a on a Sunday. So um, now we can argue, particularly this year, 
We can talk to you about we can argue about when that counting actually should have started, whether it was uh, whether there's a week there's a week difference there can be uh, in the counting this year. But, uh, and but the, this is this is all building anticipation. You know, it's just like when you're looking forward to anything in life. You know, you've got a birthday coming up or you've got a party you're going to and you're you know, I'm, I'm just a few days till that party and I'm a couple more days to that party. But this is the exact same thing going on here. Passover is settled. First fruits is settled. The Messiah has risen, and the power that He has promised is coming. And we are counting. It's only forty nine more days. Yeah. It's only forty eight more days. Yeah. This is a counting in anticipation of what is to come. Um, and of course, that was the law uh, and the Spirit having both come on the same day. But we under we've always understood. Um, the Hebrews have always understood that this is a, for starters, it's one of the three great feasts, mm-hmm. Shavuot being one of the three great feasts, but there's, it's always it, it looked forward to with anticipation. Yeah. And so much more should we look forward, knowing that the fulfillment of that came with the Holy Spirit. Um, we absolutely should be participating. We should absolutely be excited that Pentecost is just around the it's corner. It's on its way. Should no, we start our Pentecost series this Sunday? Beginning? Okay. Yeah. So if you want to know more about Pentecost... Uh, they'll be teaching about it over at Agape, and uh, Scott will be doing that. What are you guys going to be preaching on on Saturday? Uh, I don't know. Steve is is working on a series that I think he's starting this, and he won't even give me a hint. So. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Talking about secrets. There yeah. you go. <clears throat> so uh, church on Saturday is at what time? Church on Saturday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And for Sunday? At 10 o'clock, and both of them are at 701 Napa Valley Drive. There you got it. Join them. You'll learn something. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. My thanks to Scott and to Billy for coming in. Bible guys show up here every Tuesday of their own accord. I don't force them, and I don't pay them. They do it because they love you and want to share the truth with you. I'll talk to you tomorrow at 6 a.m.